Hey everybody, welcome to this week's installment of HearthCast.com. This is Root, that's three feet of pure, unbridled, no morlock squishiness, who will dodge you until you beg for mercy. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Freckleface. Hey, it's Freckleface, little gnome who will sap you and take your lunch money. And we are doing the full-length version of our podcast, available every Tuesday on Patch Tuesday. Nothing else to do while the game is down. We figured it gives everybody something to listen to on Tuesdays. So, uh, Freckleface, what you got going on in the game right now? Well, since last week, I have gotten revered with the oracles, and I got my little egg that I'm waiting for it to hatch. Nice. I got revered with the Kaluk, so I'm I'm still trying to get exalted. Um, still working on medallies for Sons of Hodir and Valiant's Expedition. And we ran Heroic Obsidian Sanctum this week, didn't we? Yes, we did. That, that went really well. That was my first uh, my first 25-man raid, so that went really well in there. And uh, because of that, obviously, since it was the Heroic, uh, means I did hit 80 in-game. Yes. And... Uh, Went out and, as you know, got my flying mount, and uh, rather my epic flying mount. And so now I'm just working on some secondary skills that I kind of passed up in the game. And if you, anybody listened to the uh, uh, Just a Minute or Give Me a Minute podcast this week, you'll, you'll realize that I passed up first aid, of all things, and, uh, and fishing. And so I'm back working on those and trying to run at least one instance a day or so. Uh, trying to gear up is what I'm trying to do. All right, excellent, excellent. <laughs> we thank you guys for listening to us, and we'd like to ask you to please tell your friends, your guildmates, your family members, even the kid next door, about this podcast. Located over on hearthcast.com or on iTunes. Easy to find us there, easy to find us anywhere. All right, well, we do have some email questions. Our first question is from Diakono, and Diaco wants to know... He says he is starting to gear up his warrior, but is having a hard time getting into groups because of his gear. So he's kind of in this, you know, rut there. And he wants to know what he can do. Um, you have any suggestions, Root? Yeah, that's a tough place to be because I have found myself there many times and almost find myself there now. And it's a situation where your gear is not up to par. And you get into a group, you're not pulling the DPS you should pull, you're not... Uh, if he's a warrior, he's not tanking the way he should be tanking. He's not, you know, he's not doing his job, and so he's going to get kicked out of a pug very quickly. Best thing you can do there is talk with your guild. Get in with a guild that is more interested in your success than you are, and they will run you. Uh, they'll run you through instances where you can get geared up, and uh, it's not something you beg for. Don't sit there and beg all the time. Just talk to your guild master and let them know that hey, I'm trying to get geared up. Is there a day? a week that you can dedicate, you know, that I can grab some hires and they can run me through an instance that I can pick up some gear with. And if your guild is interested in your success, which will then contribute to their success in, in the end game, then they will make sure that you do get geared up. Yeah, and another thing you can do is, you know, there's always battlegrounds, which you don't need a group to get into, um, that in Wintergrass, and that can help you get some honor points, which gets you some gear. And then also shows those guild members that you are dedicated to gearing yourself up so you can be helpful to them. Outstanding. Now, this other email we have here is from Flingwallow. And what they want to know is, they say, there are so many requirements that either don't exist anymore or you can just buy instead of completing a quest for. 
people starting the game today have it so easy. Do you think Blizzard is dumbing down the game? Hmm. Well, that definitely is frustrating because I went through a lot of... It seems like there's a lot of hard times to try to get attuned for Kara, only for that attunement requirement to be taken away. Um, and it's always frustrating on the other end of that. But on the other hand, starting a brand new character from scratch, you know, level one, trying to get it all the way up to 80 and get it geared is a very daunting task. And I do like that they have made that process a little easier. Um, do you think it's been dumbing down, Root? You know, I don't think they're dumbing it down because I had that same experience when I got my epic mount for my warlock. It was a pretty long quest chain uh, to do. It took me a couple days to complete that quest chain in order to get uh, the dread, the uh, the dread steed. Now it's something you just buy as like like anything else. Your regular mount, you just buy it. But what I think Blizzard is doing, this is just personal opinion. I think they're not really dumbing down the game. They're just trying to make it easier for people to get to the end content, to the higher level raids, the boss raids, the 10 mans, 25 mans. They're trying to get it where people have that going on for them. If I'm in a guild and I've got people coming up through the guild, up in rank, the last thing I'm going to do is go, oh man, we got to get this guy attuned, or we have to go get his mount, or we have to, whatever it is that we have to do that was at one point in time a long task, and now it was no longer there, I think it's a good thing. I think for the people who are thinking the game's being dumbed down a little bit, we're kind of resting hard on our, on, on our, our, our own laurels. You know, we had to go through something that was so tedious. What's going to happen now is what we're going through now, like a 10-man, 25-man, oh, we had to spend an hour doing this. Who knows what it's going to be like the next patch? You know, the next time the next expansion comes out, and suddenly this was nothing. And so you'll you'll find yourself in that exact scenario pretty soon. So just hang in there and... You know, rejoice in the fact that it's easier for lobbies to come up and help you out in end game. Right, exactly. And I do think, for as much as they have made the game easier in some aspects, they have added just as many very difficult, time-consuming tasks in the achievements. There are plenty of titles and special, you know, tabards and mounts and whatnot that are very difficult to get. I mean, just look at the Violet Proto Drake. I mean, that takes a lot to be able to get that mount and it's something that's really only available to people who are serious WoW players absolutely and that's y'all seen the other thing is they've added a lot more daily quests as well uh, that still mean, you know the game is still being kept interesting for everybody at every level so it's not something that they're ignoring anybody in the lower level or trying to make it easier for everybody in the lower levels so they're just trying to make it overall uh, a much more enjoyable experience of a game Exactly. All right, so if you have any questions for us, feel free to send those in to contribute at hearthcast.com, and we will answer those questions to the best of our ability in our weekly podcast here on hearthcast.com. Now, many of you might have seen that we've added a lot of RSS feed links, uh, the chicklets on the website. So if there's any particular RSS reader or feeder or any kind of news aggregate system that you use, We've got them pretty much all covered on hearthcast.com so you can subscribe to our feed and be continually updated when we update our podcast, which is almost on a regular basis. All right. And like we said last week, our main content for this week, we're going to be talking about macros, which I am going to leave up to root because really my only experience is making a macro for slash cheer. 
so I don't have to type it out. And past that, I'm kind of lost. So what do you have for us today, Root? Well, you also did your, your chicken spam macro, too. I did. That. I did that for the Westfall Chicken <laughs> Quest, which is one of our jams. Right, and see, well, that's just the basics of exactly what a macro is. All it's going to do is make the World of Warcraft game easier. It's going to replace a lot of the repetitive tasks that we might do. They're an important part of the actual user interface that we've got. They make the game easier and more fun by eliminating any kind of redundant task uh, by making your hotkey bars a lot more useful. Now, all the macros are going to do, they're going to start with some kind of a slash command. Now, we use these all the time. We whisper people, we'll reply, we'll do an emote, we'll dance, we'll, we'll say things. Those all start with the slash, you know, slash whisper, slash talk, slash tell, whatever we're using. Those are all slash commands that we use in the game. Uh, those are all, in essence, part of the macroing language that Blizzard has given us to work with. To start a macro, to start creating a macro, you can do slash macro, slash m, or if you hit escape, you can click on the macro in the main in-game menu. Now, there's a lot of tips and tricks to know about macroing, and we're not going to go really into deep detail on this podcast, simply because it'd be really, really boring um, and very, very confusing. You know, A lot of people wouldn't be able to follow exactly what we're talking about. So we're going to go over some of the little insider tips and tricks that macroing does afford us. One of the biggest things that people need to know, and this is what I run across all the time when I'm helping people uh, debug their macros, is that your macros run all at once. So you click the button and they run. What happens is it runs it from start to finish. If it encounters a problem or if it takes too long, you're actually losing control of the game while that macro is running. And if something gets hung up or waits or gets paused or gets stopped, you can actually freeze the game and get yourself kicked out of it. So you've got to be very careful with that. Now, one of the biggest things to to know is that everything, and I mean everything, has a number associated with it. Your bags have a number. The backpack is zero. And then it goes from uh, the backpack all the way over, zero, one, two, three, and four. And those are typically called the X factor on there. Now, the Y factor, because you have X and Y, the Ys are the slots inside your bag count. Now, it starts from the top left and keeps going down. So your top left one is going to be one. Move one to the right, two, three, four, however many bag slots are available. So if I wanted to grab something out of the first bag slot in my backpack, which is zero, I can use zero, one, and I would be able to use whatever item I have in there. Myself, I tend to keep things organized in my bags so that I know where they are, so I can grab them very easily. For instance, I can tell you right now, my fishing pole is in bag zero, slot one, and I keep it there. Now when I fish, I've made myself a macro that swaps out my weapon for my fishing pole. And since it's always in the same spot, I just made a macro to swap them both out. Now let me, let me just ask you a question real quick, Ruth. Now you're, you're saying like your backpack, had, when, when you open up your bags, I have an add-on that just pops up into one. So I have to know what actual bag things are in. Absolutely. Which is why I don't use those type of add-ons for my bags. Okay, so we're not talking about coordinates as far as, you know, what row it's in or anything like that. They're just numbered straight through. Like, if you have, if it's a 20-slot bag, it's 1 through 20 are your options. 
That is correct. Right. If you got a 20 slot bag, your number one slot is going to be the top left hand. Whatever the whatever the topmost and leftmost is will be number one, and then it proceeds to the right, two, three, four. Have if it goes down a row, five, six, seven, eight, whatever it is. Okay. Excellent. That. Okay. Now, also the other things that are numbered are your ammunition, which is zero, head one. Two, neck, shoulder, three, shirt, four, five, chest, six, belt, seven, legs, eight, feet, your wrists are number nine, your gloves are ten, eleven and twelve correspond to your finger item number one, your finger item number two, the most important ones I think are thirteen and fourteen, which correspond to your first and second trinket, thirteen being your trinket on top, and fourteen being your trinket on the bottom, fifteen is your back, sixteen is your main hand, seventeen is your off hand, eighteen is your range, nineteen is your tabard, which is now becoming very important. 20 is your first bag. 21 is the second bag. 22, your third bag. And 23 is your fourth bag. Now, all those are very important because now I can start using or equipping different items in different locations. I've got a great macro that I use all the time in my rotation to make sure that my trinkets for spell power or mana region or whatever I'm using get activated before each time that I'm actually going through my spell rotations. Hey, Freckleface, I got a quick quiz for you. Uh, how, okay. How many slots do you have available on your action bar? Ooh. Thinking maybe 12. That's right. Exactly. You've got one all the way through the number zero, which would be 10, and then you have your minus and your equal sign being 11 and 12. Now, the other question is a follow-up, is how many action bars do you have? I would guess four. Well, you actually have six. So now you have six action bars, 12 slots. Can you do the math? How many available action or how many available slots do we have? Oh, I know this one. 72. 72. Very good. Now, what most of the time happens is you think, okay, I see my action bar. I've got one through 12. And then you go, I don't really know what those other action bars are for. Some people will use them if they're in different shape forms, if they're a druid and they're in cat form or, or feral form or whatever. They'll use their different action bars to correspond to their different shapes that they're shifted into. Or stance bars, really. Stance bars, right. If you're in right. you know, your battle stance or whatever, you may use a different one for that. But still, they're 12. So you want to know what to do with all those other particular uh, action locations that you have. The cool part about it is they each have their own number, just like everything else is numbered. The first, on your first bar is very easy, 1 through 12. Second bar, 13 through 24. Third bar, 25 through 36. They keep on incrementing by 12s. Since they're in that location, I can actually use a macro to click that button. So I can click, right-click, single-click, middle-click, whatever one I want to do on, for instance, button number 56. And I can put myself a macro in button 56. So it makes me have an available macros of up to about 72. Maybe a little less than that if you don't want to include your, your main combat and shooting as macros. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> well, it gets more exciting than that, too. Really? Because, <laughs> because with macros, you have the ability, as I said before, to alternate your macro based on what mouse button you use to click that particular mouse button or that particular button or what combination you use on the keyboard whether it be a shift, a control, or an alt. So I had the ability to mimic a mouse click 
I can use one for the left mouse button, two for the right, three for the middle, four for button four, five for button five. So I have five different options I can use to actually click or simulate a click of a particular button. Which brings us back to the math. What is 72 times five? 150. 360. You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> So what we're getting into is well, there are a ton of actual options you can do if you are if you get really seriously into macroing for your character. Personally, I use about 20 to 30 macros on my warlock, and that's about it. That's about as much as I can possibly think of handling on there. Well, it's quite a lot. Now, one of the ones that I've done to simulate the click that we talked about before, which is a forward slash click command, by the way. Uh, a lot of times since I'm running around on my on my warlock and I might be mining or fishing or doing something that I'm really not paying too much attention to my surroundings as I'll have my succubus up and I'll have her on defensive and I'll have her ready to uh, seduce anything that comes around my way be a humanoid hopefully you know as in another player who wants to gank me and then what happens I'll get summoned to a raid or an instance and I'll forget and a lot of times they get yelled at because my pet is sitting there on defensive and might get into trouble because something attacks me, my pet goes off and it aggroes that and it goes across somebody else and now we just have all kinds of pet chaos going on. So I created myself a raid ready button which basically says click pet action button 5 right button which that basically allows me to turn off my pet and make it so it is not aggressive anymore, not defensive anymore, it just makes it passive and so nobody else gets mad at me. I can have alternates in, in my macros. For instance, if I'm a rogue, which Freckleface you are. I am. And I wanted to ambush somebody or backstab somebody. Instead of having two particular buttons for that, I can make one button that simply says cast, and I put stealth in brackets, which means if this is true, so if I'm stealth, ambush them. If not, backstab them. Another thing I can do with macros is use a cast sequence, which allowed me to stack up particular spells. For instance, I may be, as a warlock, want to cast Corruption, Immolate, Curse of Agony, and I don't want to risk, or want, I don't want to use three different buttons for that. So I just want to use one, so I'll stack those together. So I'll use a cast sequence, and then I want to tell it, hey, I need to reset this to the beginning if anything happens. So I tell it, Cast sequence, reset equals combat. In other words, if I leave combat, go back to the beginning. Slash target, if I change my target, go back to the beginning of this. Slash shift, if I press and hold down shift while I click you, go back to the beginning. And then I put corruption, emulate, and curse of agony. Now what I'm doing, if I assign that to like button 9, let's say, now I target a mob, and I press 999. It's going to step, you know, step through that corruption, emulate, curse of agony. I do have to wait for the global cooldown. So it's not like I'm just smashing 99999 and that's it. It's you, There is a timed sequence in there where, where I will be able to cast that. I'm not going to get any of the variables or the run command because it would be just really crazy to try to explain that one on a podcast. But here's the deal. Anybody who emails me at contribute at hearthcast.com, I will give you my full macro guide. This is something I've developed over time into working with the macros that I've created and I've created for myself and other people. And I'll give you all these little tidbits and tricks that I've come across that I've yet to see in a lot of places online. So to get your copy free of charge, 
All you need to do is email me at contribute at hearthcast.com, and I will make sure you get your copy of Root's Macro Guide. All right. So that basically wraps up macros for this week. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is just for this week, any achievements or events going on. So, Root, did you have any achievements this week? Oh, let's see. I got a bunch this week. Uh, and, and they really start off, the only reason I got them is I started off with uh, the first aid. So I got all these first aid achievements. And then I started leveling up fishing, so I got all these crazy fishing achievements. And then, oh, by the way, while I was hanging out fishing in Iron Forge, I got the old Iron Jaw achievement by catching that rare fish there. Oh, I'm so jealous. You know, I have a fishing skill of 440, and I have not caught old Iron Jaw yet. But what I did get this week was a fishing diplomat, um, and I did that by, you know, we're Alliance, so we I had to do that by going to Ogremar and fishing. And there's actually a spot in Ogremar by the pond that the, the guards do not patrol. So I was able to sit and fish there for about 40 minutes. That's pretty small, so I hid behind a rock and no one really saw me. <laughs> that always helps. Being it a does. small gnome has its advantages sometimes. It does. Some of the other achievements that I got this week are for running the uh, the 25 man that we did. Yes, we did. We um, got our first Emblem of Valor this week, as well as did the achievement for doing Heroic OS. That's right. That's right. We got those out of the way, too. So we are, you know, the the whole achievement thing is something that at first I thought was kind of corny, but now I really like it. And I hope that they come out with more ways to show off the achievements that you've done. Uh, Right now, you can go to the armory. You can look at what you've done. You can... You know, post your own achievements on on a website or something. But I really hope that pretty soon they come up with something in-game for you to show off the different achievements that you've done. Yeah, it was actually funny. When we were in that run, they were trying to plan how many drakes they wanted to leave. Um, But when we hit down the first boss and everyone looted, there was about five people who got the achievement for Emblem of Valor. And then that kind of marked us as noobs and other people in the group kind of said well we're not going to be able to do what we thought we'd do let's just try to get through this run so that was kind of funny right I remember that happening which we did by the way uh, with minor deaths and the whole thing so I died at the end but that was my own stupid fault for not jumping out of the big wave of fire that's my fault yes it is Moving on. Okay, so Root, you have a spell in your abilities that you see the pronunciation butchered quite often, don't you? Absolutely. Do I actually have a couple of them? But what we're going to talk about this week is the con. I'm going to let you handle this one, being the whole English major. Well, it's... what what you normally hear it as is conflagration, right? That is correct. You'll, you'll people say call it either conflagration or they'll actually say flag. Because they don't know how to pronounce it themselves. Well, what it might help you to know is that, again, like last week's, this is a word that you can look up in the dictionary. It means an extremely large fire. It also is used to mean a large, disastrous fire, which if you think of what a warlock does, it pretty much matches what that ability is. But the way you pronounce it is actually conflagration. And you might want to think about... Confirmation with that emphasis on the first syllable to kind of mirror that out as conflagration. So we're looking at conflagration here. There's no conflagration or configuration, it's just conflagration. Right, there's no U in it. No, I noticed that. A lot of people throw yeah. that in there, so. They do. Well, you know, next time you're writing, say conflagration and 
sound smarter than anyone else. That's right. I can correct them and put them in their places and pwn them. I love correcting people. <laughs> it's so much fun. You know, speaking of correcting people, i got to tell you about my goal tip this week. All right. And that is basically how to spot a good deal in trade chat. Now, this is always, as we say, you're going to be on your on your bank alt, on your bank tune. And you're going to be sitting up there in the bank or by the auction house, which is the best place to hang out while you're looking for stuff in trade chat and monitoring what's on the actual auction house versus what people are trying to sell and trade. Now, what happened to me last week is a guy came up and he was selling titanium bars. And he had a really, really good price on our titanium bars, about 50 gold less than what they were for, going for on the auction house. He was selling them dirt cheap, in my opinion. So I'm looking at the auction house. I'm looking at his trade chat. And I go, you know what? I'm going to buy those. The only reason I was going to buy those is for the, the intense pur- their sole purpose of reselling them. So I run out. I meet the guy in the auction house bridge, pay him his money, get my titanium steel bars, turn around, and I head back in the auction house. And he follows me in there. Once he realizes I have listed them for the actual market rate that these things are going for, he got mad at me. He said, hey, if, if, if I'd known you are going to do that, I wouldn't have sold those to you. Now, the problem is, it was a good deal. It's not my fault that he was selling them way under market. What happens is people are looking to make a quick amount of gold... They don't want to wait for the auction to be put up. They don't want to wait for the money to get there. They want their money here. They want their money now. They're going to take a substantial loss to make that happen. Any good bank alt will be able to leave their money in play on the auction house for the maximum amount of time. So when you have your 3000 2000 however much gold you're dealing with, there's a lot of times when I will sit there and trade chat and watch for good deals simply to buy it from that person and relist it on the auction house. My goal always is to try to make at least 20 to 30 gold or else I'm not going to look at the deal. I was able to pull off about 60 gold per titanium steel that this guy was selling and that's a pretty good deal. Right and you know and last week we did talk about that add-on auctioneer and in addition to showing you data in the auction house it puts it in the tooltip so when you are in Trade Channel and someone links an item and lists a price, if it is something that the add-on has seen in the auction house before, it will tell you how many times it's seen it and what the average price is. So if they link something and they're asking 450 gold for it, and you can actually look on the tooltip, and if it normally goes for about 100 you can just see that, no, that's a terrible deal. Right, and the opposite is true, too. If they're asking 100 gold for it, and it's going for 450 on the auction house, you can, that's a pretty good deal, provided that the market is not saturated with them. That's the key component that a lot of people forget. They'll buy something thinking, this is a great deal, and then they'll have it. Now, what do I do with this? Well, I want to resell this thing. I go to the auction house, and I realize there's 50 other auctions of that same item there. Now, is that item going to be that popular? Maybe, maybe not. That's a risk I don't like taking. I prefer to have an auction or to place an auction where I don't have a lot of competition. So I'll take something if I've got two or three other people on uh, who are uh, have auctions in play, I'll take that. I'll buy something relisted like that. But if I've got 10, 15, 20 people and it's the middle of the week, I'm probably not going to play that auction. Okay. Um 
Well, our next um, item in our podcast was we were reviewing the patch notes for the test round, and there were some interesting changes to that, weren't there? There are. Now, one thing I want to preface by saying on this is that it could change by the end of our podcast. You know, patch notes change on the t- on the on the PTR change whenever, literally by the minute in some cases. But there are some of the ones that we picked out as we were going down through them that I think are going to be stable enough that we can talk about them and that I believe will make it into the next patch. No guarantees, but I think these will make it in there. And these are some of the ones that are are more interesting that we're going to stay completely away from anything dealing with races or classes or anything else and just focus on some of the game elements. Okay, and the first one was ground mounts not dismounting you when you go through water. Right, nothing that is huge because that is one of my just absolute pet peeves. Is when I'm running somewhere and I see a body of water in front of me and I try to time that jump just right, and you know maybe I'll make it, maybe I'm not, and if I don't make it, now I got to recast my mount, and I that just that it just it really burns me up when that happens. Right, and I'm not sure if it's saying that um, are you swimming at regular swim speed. Or are you going at mountain speed? And I would think that it's swim speed. I believe it's going to be swim speed because, and this is pure speculation, which I hate doing, but anyhow, uh, there are going to be some water-based mounts coming along. Oh. So I think you are going to slow down some. However, you're not going to dismount, which is still going to save you time overall. Right. Now, they're also saying that flying mounts still may not allow you to swim in the water and might dismount you uh, upon entering the water with your flying mount. Which shouldn't be a big deal. If you're flying around, then a body of water is not going to interrupt where you're going like a regular mount would. Right. Now, one of the other things that it's there is that players will now be able to return items purchased with an alternate currency, like a token, back to the original vendor within two hours of the purchase time for the full amount of the cost of the items. So you get a full refund. Does not apply to stackable items like frozen orbs or gems and charged items that can be purchased with alternate currency. Those it doesn't apply to. But any other item, you can get it and take it back after two hours and get your full money back. Right, and that is excellent. I did have an experience with that. I was trying to get the chef title, which requires you to buy all the recipes that the cooking supplier and Dalaran sells and it takes three cooking awards, which can take three days. And one day I accidentally bought a recipe that I already had. And they are buying on pickup, so I basically wasted three days of work with the recipe I couldn't sell. Couldn't do anything with it except delete. And see, now you'll be able to take it back to that person and get your full tokens back for that if that ever happens Buy again. the correct recipe, yes. Um, some other interesting changes... Um, there's two that are kind of connected. The first thing is queuing for battlegrounds. Now you can, you're going to be able to queue from a battleground wherever you are. Um, I'm guessing it'll just be something in the interface that you can select. And when you're done, it will return you to where you entered at. So what's that going to get? What that is going to get rid of as a bad point is the ghetto port, the ghetto hearth. You know, where people will have someone in the city queue them for battleground for the sole purpose of going in and AFKing so they can be in the city. And I think the first time I went to Dollar and I actually paid someone 10 gold for them to do that so I could go to the city. Right. 
But as you and I talked about a couple days ago, that is going to alleviate a lot of the congestion in the major cities now. People hanging around waiting for battlegrounds. Right. And you can just, when you're questing, you get kind of tired of it. Queue for battleground and quest. And then go in. And then come back to where you were when you're done. Um, And on... To go with that, what they're going to be doing is reducing the cooldown for your Hearthstone to 30 minutes. So that's a good thing. I think that is one of the better things that I've ever seen come out of the game. And I think that is directly tied into uh, the end game. Where right now, for instance, when you and I did that, uh, the 25-man OS, we were done inside of about 40 minutes of that whole thing. Because there was a lot of people, when we got to the end of it, like thankfully we had a mage in the group that we could port out with because we were stuck there. You know, right. so a lot of these quests or a lot of these instances or raids that take less than an hour, you're having people who have have uh, burned their Hearthstone and now they got to sit around and go, can I get a port or how do I get out of here? What do I need to do? Now, when we're looking at in-game content, half hour is great. People are more mobile now in the game. Uh, they're they're getting their epic mounts. They're getting. So many flying mounts. I couldn't even tell you how many how many I saw different ones I saw in game. They're more mobile. They're everywhere. They're moving along. They're going through more and more content. It is important for that cooldown to be reduced to 30 minutes to get people the ability to get back to their home city or wherever they have their their they they made their home uh, to do whatever they need to do, whether it be sell, buy, repair, uh, whatever there is they need to do. So I think uh, Blizzard's making a good decision with this one. I think so too. I think it'll be. I think it'd be really good to have that in there. So that brings us about to the wrap of our show. Um, we are always updating things on HearthCast.com. Feel free to visit that on a daily basis. We try to at least post our Give Me a Minute podcast where either Freckleface or myself spend about a minute or so uh, going through either something going on in the games, ideas, tips, tricks, or something we've just accomplished. A lot of things, a lot of good information comes out for those. As we said before, send me an email to contribute at hearthcast.com and I will make sure you get a full copy of my macroing guide that will help you go through and design some pretty spiffy macros that can uh, amaze and confuse your friends, including apparently one of the more elusive ones, which is how uh, to cast a smart mount in a location, whether it be the best mount for a flying or best location for a flying mount, riding mount random mount, whatever the case might be. Yes, and before we go, we do want to give a shout out to Wow Quarky, who gave us um, a very excellent review on iTunes, so we do appreciate that. Yes, we do. Thank you. And next week on deck, we are going to be talking with a guild master of a two-plus year successful guild, and try to get some of his secrets and what it takes to run a successful guild. Yeah, so make sure you t- tune in next week for that. And tune in before that. We'll give you some more Auction House tips and some more General Warcraft tips. Until next time, this has been Root and Frackleface. Thanking you for listening to HearthCast.com. May your killing be merry and your deaths be few.